2: This is PAX What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie
1: Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the PAX What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined, as always, by Perry Goldstein. And we have a very special guest today, kind of continuing the OTA's Sights and Sounds series that we started last week. Except we actually have somebody who is at OTA's to give us the in real life sights and sounds from practice. It's Andy Herman. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. How are
0: you? I am doing so great. Uh, It has been far too long. Uh, It's been a, "pax with cheese" said, hiatus that it can never go this long again. So uh, super excited to be talking to you guys and uh, talking OTAs.
2: We're so happy to have you. You're like our, I think you're, might be our most reoccurring guest. We have, we'd have to tally it up, but I I would put my money on Andy being the most. Andrew
1: Murtig is going to try to come for it. I think it's going to be like a battle of the Andes, but for now. For so now the longest Andy. time,
0: Andrew Murtag was actually the most, uh, like had the most episodes on Packaday. On my own podcast, Andrew Murtag had more episodes than I did for a while. I've now overtaken him by a lot. But for a long time, <laughs> it was Andrew Murtag, and it was it was not cool. So I, I get it. Andrew's everywhere.
1: <laughs> uh, everywhere except the Lizzo concert. You will have yeah, to listen to Packaday uh, to find that out if you're listening to this. Um, but, yeah, so, Andy, we kind of you know dove into just very brief – kind of what we saw what we heard from initial uh, player interviews and things last week you were there again they had two practices yesterday and today and then I believe they have another one on Friday so what kind of stuff is happening I guess for starters for people that aren't familiar with OTAs like are they doing full run-throughs is it mostly drills Um, so what is the process like for OTAs and how does it differ from like normal training camp maybe
0: yeah so great question. So first of all the only one that we we've had two open to the media now one last week and then one today. So we haven't been privy to obviously all of the practices uh, but how the two have worked that we have been um, you know, able to see it's been very similar to a training camp practice, just obviously without pads, a little bit less intensity, but not always by a ton. Uh, but basically you're starting off with usually some special teams work, then you're going through stretches and, and just, you know, that portion of practice, then you go to some individual work. And then after that, they usually, um, They'll get together. They'll start doing some team drills. They'll usually do field goal after that. And then usually, like, I think one of their team periods was strictly running and play action today. So everything was either a run or a play action fake. And then they, you know, at at one point did some two-minute drills. At one point separated starters on one side, the second and third stringers on the other side. So, again, obviously all of this is without pads. They're, you know, mixing a lot of different people in, in these periods. So everyone sort of gets a look. So that's sort of the, the, the flavor of it. It's, you know, you're not seeing the, the one-on-one pass rush drills with an offensive lineman and an edge rusher. You're not seeing one-on-one wide receiver versus corner, not really seeing any seven on seven stuff. But finally, these last two practices, we've seen some real legitimate team stuff, which of course is what really starts to, to wet the appetite a little bit.
1: Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, who I guess would be some players that like stood out to you? I know you posted some clips on Twitter, and I think Twitter kind of ran with some of them. But before the pads come on, who are some guys that really are impressing, you know, from the looks department?
0: Yeah, I think the the player that we have to start with today is Luke Musgrave. And, you know, I, I want to pump the brakes as much as I possibly can because we've all been here before. There have been a lot of OTA superstars that were regular season nobodies. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting that to be the case with Luke Musgrave. But just because there's OTAs, no pads on, you have to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. And I think the other thing even that I'll use as a caveat here too is that when some sometimes when something looks good it's sometimes it didn't go according to plan sometimes when things don't look good it's still like just players are trying to get on the same page it's not fully functional yet so it's it's hard to tell but man it has been forever in a day at least probably since drew michael finley since there has been an athlete anywhere near what luke musgrave has at the tight end position and that's just so fun to think about and dream about right as a packer fan and it's not to say that he's going to be the next travis kelsey or the next dallas goddard or anything like that but the talent is undeniable and matt lafleur said that he's got you know uh i, I forget what the exact word that he used but you know a a legit you know basic superpower in his speed at the position this is a 6-6 you know complete gazelle at the position that is gliding down the field has incredible body control. And you're starting to see him separate. There was a one-on-one that I posted on Twitter where he obviously uses great body control, catches it contorts his body is able to, you know, kind of continue running in stride a little bit to, and you can just see his quickness, you know, jump off the, the Twitter page when you're watching it. And then, You know, in in drills, there's a a play where he's running a deep crosser and he's just running away from Tavarius Moore, who's obviously a very fast safety in his own right. He's just running away from him in the deep middle of the field. And just those sort of things that you start seeing out of a rookie tight end who has all that talent – that's the stuff that starts getting you excited, right? Again, who knows what it's going to be when the pads come on, and pass catching and receiving is just a very small piece of what we know Matt LaFleur wants from the tight ends in this offense. So a long way to go, job not done from Luke Musgrave, but as far as jumping off the page and you know just being able to see all of that raw talent in person, he's been as advertised so far.
2: Yeah, a gazelle is not normally a word you would use to describe a, a tight end. So it's very, but the video you posted, I mean, he looked quite agile, which is yeah. just not what you expect from a guy of his size. And um, just not
0: what we're used to at the tight end position in Green Bay, right? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously we know that Mercedes Lewis was a sixth offensive lineman basically these past couple of years, but just the difference in insane burst between Mercedes Lewis and a Luke Musgrave and even just a Robert Tunyon, right? Like I love Robert Tunyon. We know my... Um, you know, affinity towards him earlier in his career. But just coming back from injury, he just didn't have that run after the catch ability anymore. He wasn't separating over the middle of the field. There was just a limitation to what he could ultimately do. And he made the most of what he had at that position coming off of injury. But then just to go from that to a Luke Musgrave, who just has so much raw talent and potential, it's just really exciting to see out there on the field.
1: I know you said that Tyler Davis had looked good, even though, you know, Jimmy was joking about it on Twitter, but how about Tucker Craft? Because I feel like he was like a darling, you know, when he got drafted, he had the most typical like Midwest party with crockpots in somebody's garage. And I think he became like an instant fan favorite and almost felt like people kind of forgot about Luke Musgrave. So seeing that Luke had such a good day, like has Tucker kind of stood out at all or I mean,
0: yeah. What, so what a, few, a few things on Tucker, he did not practice on today's practice. He was out, uh, some sort of injury. It didn't seem very major at all. It just seemed like they were probably being extra cautious with it. At least, um, you know, from what I could tell, uh, I do have a couple cool Tucker craft things though. A he is rocking a sweet mustache. I was trying to get it. On <laughs> camera. I could not get it on camera. He is rocking a sweet mustache, but, uh, he looked good in his first practice a week ago, Well, following the the rookie mini camps, obviously, but in his first OTA practice, and one of the things I was really impressed by in that specific OTA practice was there was a drill. It was a I, I think it was a run blocking drill. And there it's a, I think it was a tackle tight end combo where they're, they're going out to, to combo block. A, I think an edge rusher. He's going out and he gets out there and he's blocking the guy and he comes back and his coach is about to give him some teaching points. And he's like, I was too high. He's like, I was too high on the play. And the coach was like, Yeah, yeah, you were too high on the play. But like just like the self-awareness, like he knew it, he was already trying to master it, already trying to figure it out. Like those are the sort of things that you want to see from your rookies. And I just love the self-awareness. I love that he knew exactly what he did. His coach didn't even have to open his mouth. He's like, Yep, I was too high on the play. Ran it back and did it better, I'm sure the next time. So those are some of the cool things that we're already starting to see from this rookie class.
2: That's awesome. Also, Maggie, someone DM'd me and told me that it was not a garage, it was an airplane hangar. That he had his draft party in. was very so, cool. That makes a yeah, pilot, right? Yes. So. Much, much cooler. And also a little n- bit of a nod to his dad, which is very sweet. Very um, awesome. Andy, I want to talk about QB1. Because that's, I mean, <laughs> that's the off-season story, right? I, look, it's, you said it, it's. Grain of salt, they're not in pads, they're in shorts, etc. But I think that there's still a lot to glean from this for Jordan. Not just even like footwork, arm strength, etc., but just like leadership. Like he is, he's the guy now. Like, does it feel different than before, even though he was really running OTAs the past two seasons? Is there like kind of a new energy about him?
0: Yeah, you can, you can tell he's, he's just more comfortable. But I mean, it's like, you know, when you're asked to sort of like almost pretend to be the guy when you know somebody is like ahead of you in the position or something like it's just it's so hard to do that, you know, when there's somebody there that's already doing it. So you can almost tell just with Aaron gone that he, you know, he probably feels way more comfortable in being that guy and being that leader and taking the leadership uh, mantle a little bit more. I think a couple things, you know, let's start with like last week's OTA. So I I know like the immediate thing that caught everyone's attention was, oh, he went six of 16 and we're box score scouting all of a sudden, you know, towards an OTA practice. Well, within that, there were at least three, if not four, drops on the play. There was one by Aaron Jones. There was one in the middle of the field. There was one on a gorgeous pass on, like, a wheel route to A.J. Dillon, back of the end zone. Love drops it in a bucket, and it just goes off of A.J. Dillon's hands. So, like, yeah, if we're box score st- you know, scouting, that would have been you know three more completions right there. There's also three more passes that were batted down at the line of scrimmage. Now, to be clear, part of that's on Jordan, right? Like at some point you have to sort of be able to read kind of what's in front of you. But sometimes guys just get their hands up. There's nothing you can do about it as a quarterback. At minimum, those are probably, you know, like neutral plays. It's just going to happen from time to time. So like you, all of a sudden you start looking at the box where you're like, oh, actually not, not quite so bad when you start putting it in context with the drops and things like that. He had one throw last week where he threw into coverage and Devondre Campbell should have had a pick. It bounced off of Campbell's hands. Now, I, I saw somebody else, I think it was actually Domovsky, who in his article said that Musgrave, you know, continued the route upfield rather than crossing. I didn't see that, so that's well within the realm of possibility, which is why we do have to take this stuff with a grain of salt because I'll say from from covering these practices, right, there is so much going on. And inherently, I want to see what Lucas Van Ness is doing. And, oh, Colby Wooden's in that defensive tackle. And it's like, oh, what is Quay doing in year two? And then it's just like, oh, you know what? You know, we've got a Keandre Thomas out there at corner. That's kind of interesting. He's actually with the starter. Like, what does that look like? And then you're like, oh, Caleb Jones is at left tackle. And you're like, you're. it's just like a kid in a freaking candy store. And like everything is going on all at once. And you like want to see all of it. And you like, you clearly can't. So you, you have to pick little different things that you're going to watch from time to time but some of that stuff is tough to pick up on. So you see a ball thrown over the middle, go off of Devondre Campbell's hands and somebody on the media side might've noticed that like, Oh, actually Luke Musgrave continued, you know, his route up the field, didn't cut it off the way that he was supposed to. And it might've been on Musgrave and a lot of other people might, myself on the play might've been watching somebody else just saw the end result. And it's like, Oh yeah, Jordan threw into coverage and it looked like a bad pass. But that's why we have to sort of, again, take that with you know, into consideration at least. So on today's practice, there's a few different plays. So one, and we'll start with the bad news first. So there's one play in the flat where it's a play action fake and he throws it to AJ Dillon. It's just wide of AJ Dillon. Now, could AJ have maybe taken his route up too far? Maybe he you know, was supposed to, that's what these practices are for, right? Is getting on the same page. He missed AJ Dillon wide on the one play. On another play, he's trying to throw to Jaden Reed on the left side off of play action again. He probably waits a little bit too long, throws to the left side. Corey Ballantyne should have had a pick six on the play. Unfortunately for Ballantyne, it goes off of his hands. Again, was Reed maybe supposed to come back to the ball? Don't know. I have no idea on the play, but it looked at the time like he probably threw a pass that he probably shouldn't have thrown. And then there's a deep ball in uh, off of play action as well where he's going down the field. I think it was to Romeo Dobbs. Double coverage. Ball floats up a little bit. Ball probably shouldn't have been thrown. And Darnell Savage makes a great play on the ball in center field. Goes up, high points the ball, intercepts it. A rather easy play for Darnell, but great to see him come down with it. The thing we don't know there is on some of those plays, the coaching staff might say, I want you to rip that ball down the field on that team no matter what. I don't care what the coverage looks like. I don't care what it is. This is a play action pass. The ball's designed to go there. I want to see how the defense is going to react to it. I want to see how Romeo is going to react to it. I want you to rip that ball no matter what. That could be the case. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's supposed to take the check down, but those are just things that we can't tell. So those are a few plays in practice today that, you know, I'm sure, you know, they'll go back and look at the tape and maybe he was at fault. Maybe he wasn't. But there were other plays that gave me, in like overall, I felt really good with where Jordan was at in this practice. He was attacking the middle of the field consistently. We saw slant routes coming on, you know, in-breaking routes, Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure, hitting people in stride, the deep in breaking route to Luke Musgrave looked awesome. Uh, There were a couple other passes where he's hitting down the field again, attacking the middle of the field that we've seen that, that area of the field be vacated for so long that Aaron just didn't want to throw all that often in that space, just to see some of those balls in rhythm over the middle of the field. And he, I thought he was really good in his two minute drill as well. I thought Romeo and, and Jordan had a a really great connection today. So I think if you look at his just mechanics at his feel for the offense and how he's attacking the huddle and how he's attacking plays, I think you can really start seeing him come along. But I think what Matt LaFleur said a week ago, where there's some things that are looking really good, there's other things that need a lot of work. I think that's a commentary on Jordan, but I think that's a commentary on Jordan and where this offense is as a whole with a lot of young players. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
2: That makes so much sense. I think you bring up a really astute point in that, like, this is just practice, right? This is not necessarily meant to simulate real game activity. And so, like, there could be things that this offense is doing is actually just to test the defense, right? Like, defense is also in practice, also, and so you love seeing them play, make plays, even if it is against, you know, your young quarterback who you kind of actually have your eye on a little bit more than maybe you would have if Aaron was out there.
0: And the other thing I'll say really quickly there too, right, is one of the criticisms that Matt has had of Jordan is like, I want to see him rip the ball. Like he's like, there were times in his early in his career, it was like Jordan was so tentative and he was just taking a bunch of check downs. And, you know, at some point he's like, I just want to see him rip the ball downfield. This is the time to test those things. This is exactly when you should be doing those things to be like, okay, I think I have a small window to Romeo Dobbs. I think I can thread this in there. I'm going to rip one down the field and see if I can't get it there. And you learn like, Oh, okay. I can't, that's one of those situations. I can't, I can't do that again against this level of competition. All right, in the future, I'm going to note that unless it's like a fourth and 17 and I've got to complete something down there, maybe I need to take the check down instead. So it's not the worst thing in the world to have your young first time starting quarterback really testing himself in some of those situations to see, all right, what can I complete? What can I actually take advantage of? And what am I going to have to just tone down a little bit? I don't, I don't mind that in practices at all.
1: You mentioned that, Romeo Dobbs you know they were on the same page quite a bit today Luke Musgrave another name that I saw is there anybody that you can see kind of developing like a really good rapport with Rogers I saw Jaden Reed mentioned a couple times Rogers. Like,
0: oh, God, I in uh,
1: yeah I have a headache uh with Jordan Love does anybody that has a really good chemistry early in OTAs with Jordan Love
0: yeah, I would say Romeo is probably the one so far that has, has stood out to really having that connection. And it, listen, it's still early. And I can, you can also tell that, you know, I'm sure Jordan's making a little bit of a concerted effort to try to spread the ball around and get the ball in a lot of these different players' hands. Not only is he quarterback one for the first time, and I know he's obviously had practices with Aaron being gone in the past. So this isn't entirely new. He's been the QB one in OTAs in the past, but he's getting to work with these guys with the number one offense. Um, did I say Jordan, Aaron as well? Uh, I saw I saw Perry laughing. I'm like, oh my goodness, did I say Aaron Rodgers? Um, <laughs> oh, my
2: cat is meowing. He wants it yeah. on the action.. <laughs>
0: Even better. So no, uh, so obviously Jordan is having the opportunity to, you know, lead this offense and could reconnect with guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who spent the majority of last year working with the number ones in Aaron Rodgers. So he's reconnecting with those guys. And in the meantime, he now has, a bunch of rookies at wide receiver. And today, Dontavian Wicks and Grant Dubose were both out. So uh, obviously, a lot of that was Jaden Reed, uh, but he also has, you know, um, You know, his rookie tight end and and, uh, Musgrave out there that he's trying to connect with. Obviously, last week it was Tucker Craft and Dontavian Wicks as well. So he's trying to integrate everyone in this offense, get everyone comfortable and really try to figure out, you know, who he can start building that rapport with. But I would say so far, Romeo has been the one that, you know, you could tell. And remember, Romeo went out and practiced with him uh, in the offseason. So I'm sure that certainly helps as well. Yeah,
2: 100 percent. Uh, let's talk about some new faces around OTAs because last week I know look it's all this is voluntary I guess we didn't caveat this at the beginning of the show but like OTAs are completely voluntary I think it's an awesome sign that like the majority of the roster is there obviously a new team so like the amount of time you get together building chemistry is super imperative for when they're out there together week one Um, but there were some vets that didn't come last week fair enough but Today, I saw Elton was back. David Bakhtiari was back. Preston was back. Obviously, you have Rashawn out there working, which like doesn't surprise anybody, um, but also some guys who aren't there yet who have big roster bonuses like Jair and Rasul. So um, were you surprised by some of the vet faces? Are you happy to see some of them there? Does it not mean any? Like, Should we not be reading into that at all?
0: Yeah. I think everyone has probably their own, you know, sort of take on that. I I don't read into it too much. And one of the things that I would heard is that guys like Bakhtiari and I think it was Elton had been at some of the practices that just the, like we have to remember the media is just seeing one of these practices each week. So a lot of times there are other guys there that are in and out of practices on other days. And it just so happens that on the media day, like so-and-so are gone. So even with that being said, As far as I like, there's only been three guys of the two practices that have been open to the media. There's only been three guys that haven't been at either of the practices open to the media. And that's Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, and for some reason, Jonathan Garvin for the second straight year, who hasn't attended any offseason non-mandatory stuff. So, again, maybe it's an amazing reason for it. And again, hey, it has worked out for him so far because he continues to make the 53-man roster every year. So you do you, my friend. Uh, But those are the only three players that haven't been at one of the two practices open to the media. And I, yes, I do think overall that is a great sign. And if you like Jair, like we know that that guy is it, he is a master of his craft. He is, I'm sure he is working, staying in phenomenal shape and he's going to get to the mandatory stuff and it's going to be like, he hasn't even missed a beat. So zero concern there. Like I said, Jonathan Garvin has always been a weird one, but it's seemingly worked for him in the past. So who knows? And again, he may have a phenomenal reason and Brazil sort of same thing. He's a veteran at this point. I'm not super concerned about him either. Would you like to see those guys out there? Especially because Stokes is battling back from injury. Keyshawn Nixon wasn't there to. Today. So instead of having Jordan Love go against Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, and Keyshawn Nixon, the three would-be starters, you're going against Shamar Jean Charles and Corey Valentine. There's a little bit of a difference there. So you'd love to see Jordan get the opportunity to go against some of those players. And I think that's some of the stuff when you hear players not there. I'm not, a lot of the times I'm not so much concerned about the player there and we can go back to Aaron a season ago. I don't think anyone wants to open that can of worms, but like, it's not necessarily for that individual player, but the more competition that's out there, the better the players are that are there. It's going to raise the level of everyone else. It's going to make that competition that much better. So no, no hardcore takeaway, but I do love the fact that there have only been three players in the two sessions that have been open to the media that haven't been there so far.
1: Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned, you know, Jair and probably not needing a lot of those reps. I, I do want to talk about the secondary because there's a lot of new faces. I know that Darnell Savage, you know, voluntary, it's kind of part of, I think it was part of some of his contract um, to be attending those. But basically the the starter, the vet in that safety unit. So I don't know if they're doing, you you kind of mentioned that they were doing a little bit of first team what is that starting secondary looking like, granted, knowing that a lot of the actual starters are out right now?
0: Yeah. So last week it was Keandre Thomas and uh Corey Ballantyne outside. And then it was Keyshawn in the slot. Those were the the three starters in the secondary. And then it was Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage. And then Tavarius Moore was rotating in with Rudy Ford a little bit as well uh, on that safety look. Today it was Corey Ballantyne and Shamar John Charles. That were uh, the the primary corners with once again Darnell Savage and then Rudy Ford with Tavarius Moore coming in. I uh, personally, I think it was Keandre Thomas who was the next person up, and then Shamar moved in the slot when they moved into nickel. So those are some of the names we've seen so far. I think you know remember there's there's not a lot of depth after that, right? So obviously they get Carrington Valentine or Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, Carrington Valentine. That's going to be going to be a long <laughs> offseason of that. Uh, but uh, obviously they have Carrington Valentine. Uh, who I'm sure they're going to want to get a bigger look at at some point, just because he obviously has some talent there. I'm sure they're going to want to rotate in Jonathan Owens with the safety a bit. I would assume at some point, you know, we'll see if Anthony Johnson Jr. and Nis Gaines can get their name in the conversation. But um, yeah, so far that those have been some of the names in the secondary. Haven't seen much. Like I mentioned, Valentine uh, should have had the pick six today. Not sure he made a great play on the ball, if it just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I uh, haven't seen anything that like super stood out at any of the secondary spots other than the really nice pick from Savage today in the secondary, which he played a great center field, high pointed the ball, came down with the pick, which you love to see. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company.